Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. Now, we have ideally two articles to get into and a video, hopefully. That being said, I've had a couple glitches since my last recording. Biden's DOJ breaks own guidance on charging most serious offenses to give Hunter Biden's sweetheart deal. This article is over here at the Post Millennial. Now, let's get into it. On top of failing to pay taxes, the Justice Department has charged Hunter Biden with possession of a revolver in 2018 while, quote, knowing that he was an unlawful user of an addict, uh, of and addicted to a controlled substance. The smartest man I know. By Hannah Nightingale. Following the revelation that Hunter Biden's son of President Joe Biden is expected to plead guilty to two federal misdemeanors, misdemeanor counts of failing to pay taxes, and may get a gun possession charge dismissed as part of this deal, Brett Tomlin, executive director of, Rights on Crime, of Right on Crime, has pointed out that the Biden Department of Justice may be violating the Ashcroft memo. Let's get into that then, shall we? Quote, this, quote, this is, it is the policy of the Department of Justice that in all federal criminal cases, federal prosecutors must charge and pursue the most serious, readily provable offenses or of offense or offenses that are supported by the facts of the case. Expect, except in limited circumstances, authorized by the Assistant Attorney General of the United States Attorney, uh, or designated Supervisory Attorney. The Ashcroft Memo states, I have a video here, but we're going to roll past it for a couple seconds. On top of failing to pay taxes, the Justice Department has charged Biden with possessing possession of a revolver in 2018, while he knew that he was an addict, he and lied in the background check forms in order to obtain the weapon. In October 2022, the FBI stated, pardon me, that there was enough evidence to charge the younger Biden with both tax and a gun, tax and gun crimes. It was then up to the U.S. Attorney in Delaware to decide whether or not to file those charges. The maximum penalty for the charges is 10 years in jail and a $250,000 fine, but in this case, the DOJ will likely be dismissed if certain conditions are met, meaning that the DOJ is not pursuing the most serious, quote, the most serious readily provable offense or offenses that are supported by the facts of this case. Right here, Brett L. Tomlin, we've already read the tweet, but if you want to see it right there, moving on. And the tweet he's originally replying to is from Tom Winter, and it says, Breaking. NBC News. Federal charges have been filed against Hunter Biden in a case involving taxes and gun possession charge. He is expected to plead guilty to the tax charges only. He is expected to get a pretrial diversion for the gun charge, to which Brett, uh, Brett L. Tomlin at... Uh, Tolman, or yeah, Tolman Brett on Twitter. DOJ is violating its own internal policies. Um, you mean the government violating its own investigation laws against itself? Oh, unheard of. Shocking. Wow. Much surprise. Wow. Such intrigue. Moving on. The Ashcroft memo requires they charge the, quote, highest provable offenses and seek... Uh, consistent sentences with other cases brought by the DOJ. 
this prosecution is an absolute laughable joke. Thou oh. Sorry. Thousands have been sent to prison for... Thousands have been sent to prison for long terms for these exact for these same charges. Not wrong. You get a heart. You get a retweet. Very nice. Very based. Back to the article. You see him right here. A couple of his replies. Quote. We already read that. Moving on. The violation of 18 U.S.C. section 922G are punishable by up to 10 years in prison. The selection regulates and regulates two prohibitions on the ownership of firearms or ammunition, which includes drug addicts, which Biden has, which Hunter Biden has been open with his struggles. So stunning. So brave. Wow. More tweets from Brett L. Tolman. They are ignoring decades of policy and precedent to seek felonies, not misdemeanors, and seek sentences within the guidelines range. The diversion agreement on this felony is offensive to everyone not politically connected who sought diversions and were literally laughed at by the DOJ. Brett L. Tomlin continues to say thousands of people have been prosecuted under Project Safe Neighborhoods by the DOJ. Shad, no shit. Absolutely fucking true. God, I fucking jogged a memory. I should have fucking brought that up. Anyway, by the DOJ. They brag about getting nearly five, nearly five years of prison time on average for gun cases. If they follow the policy, Hunter would be looking at a minimum of five years in federal prison. But He's a Biden. Yeah, no shit. That man is absolutely base. I do. You know what? I don't follow him. I changed that today. I follow him now. Let's continue on. Quote: Thousands of people. Or you read that? I'm jumping down here. In one 2020 case, Iska Iska Johnson of Tennessee was sentenced to 21 months in federal prison after it was found that he is an unlawful drug user. <laughs> Come on. Unlawful drug user in possession of a firearm. Tolman, in reference to 18 U.S.C. section 924C, said that it would be, quote, easy to prove, easy to prove given Hunter was disturbingly distur distributing slash dealing drugs with a firearm in his possession. Such charges were brought against thousands of inner cities, inner cities across the country for the last 20 years. Mandatory minimum sentences for all except Hunter, Roll Tolman. Yeah, not to mention, not to fucking mention, 94 crime bill written by who was it, folks, and voted in by Bill Clinton, but written by who specifically? Joe fucking Biden. Moving on. And he brags about it, too. Let's see. Is it just more, is it more tweets? Oh, okay. We're coming up to the end on this article. Take a uh, continue and take a look at 18 U.S.C. 924C charges. Easy to prove, given Hunter was distributing slash dealing drugs with a firearm in his possession. Such charges were brought against thousands of inner cities across the country for the last 20 years. Mandatory minimum sentences for all except Hunter, since Hunter's brandished his firearm during the commission of during the commission of a drug crime 
he would be looking at a mad a mandatory minimum of seven years in federal prison. DOJ could also add on top mandatory minimum prosecution of child pornography if any of the girls were underage. Plus, on top of that, years of years for tax evasion. Tolman concluded since Hunter already read that. So let's hop over here to try this video. Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. This is a Fox News Alert. One of the most extraordinary moments in the history of social media is unfolding right now as we speak. And it began when Elon Musk took control of Twitter. When he bought the company, he promised to reveal its corruption, the extent to which Twitter had engaged in politically motivated censorship, including the unlawful, the illegal censorship of American citizens at the direction of the U.S. government. Well, tonight, less than an hour ago, Musk began to make good on that promise. Twitter shared a trove of internal documents with Matt Taibbi of Substack. Those documents are coming out again as we speak, and what they prove so far is very serious. Those documents show a systemic violation of the First Amendment, the largest example of that in modern history. These documents show that, among other things, political officials in the Democratic National Committee were directing censorship at Twitter ahead of the 2020 election. One Twitter official wrote on October 24, 2020, that he had received, quote, an additional report from the DNC. So the DNC was telling Twitter what to pull off the site, and Twitter was complying. Next morning, to prove it, a Twitter official confirmed the post had been deleted. I grabbed the first one, that Twitter employee wrote. Twitter was also following instructions directly from the Biden campaign in the final days of the presidential campaign. One of the documents proves that officials on the Biden team routinely directed Twitter to remove posts that reflected poorly on Joe Biden. Quote, more to review from the Biden team, read one internal email from a Twitter employee just days before the 2020 election. That email included a list of several Twitter accounts that had criticized Joe Biden. The reply, quote, handled. We just checked. Now, those accounts remain suspended today. So Twitter was permanently censoring users at the request of the DNC and the Biden campaign. That is new. Many suspected it. Now it has been absolutely confirmed by internal documents. And, of course, the New York Post Twitter account was banned. Why? because they had a story that might have changed the outcome of the 2020 election, and Twitter knew that perfectly well. They had accurate information about Hunter Biden's laptop. The Post reporting directly implicated Joe Biden and the Biden family in an ongoing scheme to sell influence, to leverage Biden's job as a government official, to sell the prestige and the power of the US government to China and Ukraine. That scheme, that ongoing scheme that unfolded over years made the Biden family millions of dollars. 10% of that money was reserved, as you know, for the big guy, meaning Joe Biden. So that was information that might have changed the outcome of the election, and that is precisely why Twitter prevented its users from reading it. Twitter went so far as to block its users from privately sharing the New York Post story on Twitter direct message. So anyone attempting to share the story about Hunter Biden's laptop was told it was unsafe. Now, that measure, preventing users from sharing information privately, is something that Twitter reserves in normal circumstances only in the most extreme cases, Taibbi writes, like stopping the transmission, transmission of child pornography. But in this case, information that might have hurt Joe Biden's chances of becoming president were invoked. And they replied even to the sitting president's press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany. Internally, Taibbi writes, quote, the decision was made at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey, with former head of legal policy and trust by Jaya Gotti playing a key role. All suspected, now confirmed. Now, in public, Twitter and its many allies and the rest of the media claimed that the New York Post story violated the hacked materials policy that Twitter had on its books. But internally at Twitter, everyone understood that was just a pretext. The laptop had not been hacked. By the way, something I brought up before that no one talked about, the hacked and leaked content policy. If that's enforced so much, why... It, uh, I, I, I say this mainly because... Look, I watch a lot of like videos like Tom Dark and MDE, Million Dollar Extreme, that kind of shit, right? 
So, <laughs> I also like Keemstar and whatnot. By the way, I thought he was retiring. What the fuck happened? Now, anyway, oh shit. Anyway, there's a lot of OnlyFans chicks who get their shit leaked onto Twitter, and Twitter does fuck all before and after Elon Musk took over. So, Twitter's always been so concerned about enforcing this no leaked content policy, then why the fuck are there so many OnlyFans getting their, their uh, fucking mid-tier snatch leaked all over Twitter? I'm just asking basic questions here. And it wasn't of Russian origin. By the way, as of right now, it's 8.04 Eastern Time. There is no evidence in this ongoing thread from Matt Taibbi that Twitter had received confirmation from the U.S. government even that the laptop was fake or from Russia. They just made it up. According to Taibbi, one official admitted that, quote, hacking was the excuse, but within a few hours, pretty much everyone at Twitter realized that wasn't going to hold, but no one had the guts to reverse it. One communications official at Twitter, Trenton Kennedy, wrote this, quote, I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this, the laptop story, as unsafe. Twitter's former head of trust and safety, UL Roth, explained that Twitter had to censor the story so that Donald Trump would not be reelected president. Quote, the policy basis is hacked material, though, as discussed, this is an emerging situation where the facts remain unclear. Given the severe risks here and the lessons of 2016, meaning Trump could get elected, we're erring on the side of including a warning and preventing this content from being amplified. Huh. Now, this played out to some extent in public. Now we know what was happening within Twitter. But the whole country knew that something was being censored. A lot of people couldn't read it. But it was widely known that Twitter was censoring this. And so, by the way, were many other news organizations. And at that time, Twitter received a communication from a consultant in Washington who had taken an informal poll of members of Congress, Democrats. And the message this person sent to Twitter was, Democrats in Congress support the censorship. And we're quoting, they don't think the First Amendment is absolute. <laughs> in other words, sitting members of Congress were encouraging censorship to affect the outcome of a presidential election. That is illegal, it is effectively election rigging, and it is a direct attack on our Bill of Rights by people who have sworn to uphold the Bill of Rights. You gotta hope someone will be held accountable for this. Nah. So back to the documents. Within Twitter, others, presumably all voting Democrats, but some with some integrity, kept raising questions about this. Former Vice President of Global Communications, Brandon Borman, asked, quote, can we truthfully claim this is part of the policy? In other words, is this consistent with the rules? Then the general counsel of Twitter, Jim Baker, that would be the former FBI general counsel, who was directly involved in the FBI's interview with Michael Flynn when his life was destroyed for political reasons, signed off on the continued censorship. The former FBI official signed off, quote, Caution is warranted, said Baker. Let's hope we hear from Mr. Baker in a congressional hearing very soon. So throughout all of this, the record shows, at least as of right now, only one elected official in the entire Democratic Party, that would be Ro Khanna of Silicon Valley, a Democrat, voicing any concern at all. So Khanna reached out to Vijaya Gotti, and here's what he wrote. This seems to be a violation of the First Amendment principles, and I say this as a total Biden partisan, but he was completely blown off by Vijaya Gotti. By the way, good for him. He's a liberal, too, but apparently sort of a real one. Within days, someone called Carl Sabo, the research from NetChoice, advised Twitter executives that on Capitol Hill, Democrats were very happy with this. They supported the censorship. So as we said, this thread exposing internal documents from Twitter as transcribed with commentary by Matt Taibbi is still ongoing. It is still flowing forth as we speak, and we'll bring you new information as it comes. All right, folks. And then we have one more. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. This spring, word began to circulate in Washington that the House Oversight Committee, under its new chairman, Congressman Jamie Comer, had discovered criminal behavior after reviewing thousands of pages of the Biden family's bank records. Now, publicly, to the extent they responded at all, the White House dismissed the investigation as, of course, politically motivated. In any case, irrelevant 
Hunter Biden was an adult, so his business dealings had nothing at all to do with his father, in this case, the president of the United States. But in private, everybody understood it wasn't quite that simple. There has long been overwhelming evidence that Joe and Hunter Biden's financial lives are not separate at all, but deeply intertwined. On Hunter Biden's laptop, there's a suggestion that the two of them, even at one point, shared a bank account. And of course, Hunter Biden wrote himself that he kicked back cash from his foreign business deals to his father. He wrote that bitterly. So the Oversight Committee's investigation was potentially a disaster for the White House, a scandal, possibly even the prelude to criminal charges. So in order to get ahead of all of that, Joe Biden's handlers did the one thing they could do. They set up an MSNBC interview to preemptively whitewash whatever Jamie Comer might find. Here's the results of that. This aired on May 5th. Sir, there is something personal that's affecting you. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. How will that impact your presidency? First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. Okay, <laughs> time for the master class for free. Ooh. You can audit it. Here it goes. Sir, showing appropriate respect, says the shill. There is something personal that's affecting you. Note the wording. Personal, not of public concern. Nothing law enforcement might be interested in but personal, a sad family tragedy. That's the framing. And then this, a sentence choreographed to the letter. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. Got that? Well, there's no tie to you. So the answer is in fact in the question. Whatever Hunter Biden goes down for, and we know he is gonna be charged because MSNBC said so, but when that happens, that's Hunter's problem. It's got nothing to do with Joe Biden. Rest easy, America. Five days later, the Oversight Committee released its findings, and they were, in fact, devastating. Quote, bank records show the Biden family, their business associates, and their companies, their many companies, received over $10 million from foreign nationals and their related companies, the committee wrote. Investigators had, quote, identified payments to Biden family members from foreign companies while Joe Biden served as vice president and after he left public office. So actually, there was something there. It was a scandal racketeering, money laundering, wire fraud. Those are some of the crimes the Biden seemed to have committed, in addition, of course, to selling out the United States for cash. So what would happen to them? Well, Donald Trump had an idea, quote, they'll hit Hunter with something small to make their strike on me look fair. Trump wrote that about two weeks ago, and it turned out those were prescient words. This morning, Hunter Biden pleaded guilty to pretty much nothing. Biden pled to two misdemeanor tax evasion charges then entered a diversion on a federal gun charge. That's it. As far as Merrick Garland's Justice Department is concerned, Hunter Biden is done. There was no pre-dawn raid carried live simultaneously on CNN. There was no perp walk, no handcuffs, no press conference. Above all, there was no felony. Hunter Biden, who broke federal gun laws, can still carry a gun. It's like it all never happened. In fact, the Justice Department just baptized Hunter Biden. A lifetime of sins washed away in an instant. It was a secular miracle. Most miraculous of all, Hunter Biden somehow escaped a ferret charge. FARA is the Foreign Agent Registration Act, and it is exactly what its name suggests. Under federal law, if you are acting as an agent of a foreign nation in Washington, you are required to register with our government to let everybody know. Well, for decades, pretty much nobody in Washington did register under FARA, and precisely no one was ever prosecuted for it. No one. But starting several years ago, the Justice Department began sending people to prison on FARA violations. The official explanation was, we're cracking down on foreign influence in Washington. And of course, privately, everyone in Washington laughed. They knew that was absurd. In fact, it's the opposite of the truth. Foreign powers have never had more power in Washington. Their agents are everywhere, in every federal agency and throughout business, down to and including in executive positions at various social media companies. The Biden administration knows all of this, and it's not a problem. In fact, it's their policy. From the administration's perspective, the concerns and the demands of, say, the Chinese government, or particularly the Ukrainian government, are far more important than the needs of American voters. We're cracking down on foreign influence, please. 
The point, the only point, of enforcing FARA after decades of ignoring it is to harass and imprison high-profile political opponents. Trump donor Elliot Broidy pled to a FARA violation a few years ago. So did Trump campaign manager, famously Paul Manafort. He went to prison. Last year, the DOJ went after Trump confidant Steve Wynn under FARA. But in the end, the Biden administration overreached so comically that the whole thing was thrown out by a judge. But they tried. So as long as they're trying, if it was a fair system, Hunter Biden would be first on the list of those next to be charged with a FARA violation. In fact, many of them. Hunter Biden was a foreign agent. He never registered as one. But for years, that's exactly what he was. He sold access to his father and other lawmakers to the Chinese and the Ukrainians and countries throughout the world. There's no debate about that. The FBI has known about it for years. For years, they've had possession of Hunter Biden's laptop. But they didn't charge him for it today. They never will. Why? Well, you know the answer. Hunter Biden has good genes. A more interesting question, though, which is another question the feds will never consider, is what does Hunter Biden do for a living now? This is a man with no obvious job and, of course, zero skills. He spent midlife smoking crack. Yet somehow he's managed to live pretty well despite rising inflation. He's been living in big houses in the costliest residential neighborhoods in the world. He's been paying a stripper baby mama 20 grand a month in child support. And he has retained a team of the most expensive lawyers in the country who spend quite a bit of time sending threatening letters to anyone who asks questions about how they're being paid. We can confirm that firsthand. So again, what does Hunter Biden do for work? That's a fair question. And tonight we have the answer. For years, Hunter Biden was an influence peddler. Now Hunter Biden is a self-actualizer. He self-actualizes for a living. He gets in touch with himself, his feelings, and he follows his muse. Here he is explaining his new vocation in a 2019 ABC News interview. This is new. Yeah. Studio. Yeah. But now he's opening the doors to a place never captured by a paparazzi's lens. His refuge, an art studio where he finds solace in painting. What's the goal eventually? Um, no, no goal. That's the perfect part about it. It's just, it literally keeps me sane. His refuge, far from the paparazzi's lens. In other words, we're not the paparazzi, we're ABC News. What's the goal of this? Your refuge. There's no goal, he says, grinning with those fake teeth. It just keeps me sane. But actually, there was a goal. And if you didn't know what a virtuous person Hunter Biden was, you might think it looked a lot like money laundering. Two years after that interview, Hunter Biden was selling prints of his art. And to be clear, just the prints, not the, quote, art itself, but effectively photocopies of it for $75,000 a pop. Apparently, Hunter Biden moved five of these repros in just days. That's $375,000 in less than a week for signing copies of your fake art. As for the paintings themselves, childish self-indulgent lots, those sold for half a million dollars a piece. So the question is, who bought them and why? It'd be interesting to know. There's a story there for sure. But of course, we have no right to know. There's no public policy implication. It's not like Hunter Biden's finances had anything to do with his father's finances. Meanwhile, once his father did become president, corporate publisher Simon & Schuster lined up as well to pay Hunter Biden's bills. According to news reports, Simon & Schuster gave Hunter Biden millions of dollars for his highly selective account of his wholly unaccomplished life. And then the publisher lined up brainless celebrity endorsers like Dave Eggers and Stephen King to promote it. King, who apparently will say anything if it helps the party, called Hunter Biden's silly manuscript a, quote, harrowing and compulsively readable memoir. And then Stephen King described Hunter Biden himself as beautiful. Needless to say, the book sold miserably, but Hunter Biden got to keep the millions, and that was the point, and so on. This kind of thing apparently happened a lot. Again, there seems to be a story here, and we think it's probably worth learning a lot more about it and bringing it to you. In the coming weeks, we will. In the meantime, though, the question is, what can we learn from Hunter Biden's plea deal today? First off, the obvious. For the children of the people in charge, there are no penalties. There are only upsides. They're princelings. They can do what they want. You are not. Therefore, you can't. So don't get any ideas about cheating on your taxes or violating federal gun laws. 
unless you want to celebrate next year's Father's Day through the glass in the visitor's room. The rules definitely apply to you, including rules you don't yet know exist. But there's also a deeper lesson here, a more disturbing one. What we're watching through Hunter Biden's life and through the Biden administration now entering his third year is the total inversion of virtue. What was once considered admirable is now derided as stupid, if not racist. That would include achievement, intelligence, honesty, self-control, humility. Those are features of the old America. Those were yesterday's virtues. They are gone. In their place, all that we once considered contemptible and repulsive, we're told to worship that now. Here's a small example, but we think a revealing one. In addition to his many other sins, Joe Biden has hired what has to be the single dumbest, nastiest, most dishonest, most ridiculous person he could possibly find for the very public position of White House press secretary. There's a point to it, of course. It was a humiliation exercise. It was designed to degrade the country and dispirit the rest of us. That's the White House press secretary? Shut up! But here's the thing. The White House press secretary herself has no idea why she's in the job. She thinks she's amazing. Here she is in a clip we just saw. A year in this role, there's been a couple of things that I that has made me incredibly proud. Many things, many things have made me incredibly proud to be at that podium uh, during this historic moment. Again, this is a historic administration. I'm a historic figure, and I certainly walk in Get history. Get out of your own ass. I'm a historic figure. What the fuck? Jesus Christ. Get out of your own fucking ass, bitch. How many times can you re-eat your same breakfast from a couple days ago? Holy shit. Don't mean to interrupt, but oh my god. Sorry. The sheer fucking hubris. My bad. I was just kind of trying. I just got floored by that fucking statement. Really proud. Many things. Many things that made this me very, very proud to be at that podium uh, during this historic moment. Again, this is a historic administration. I'm a historic figure, and I certainly walk uh. in history every day. I'm a historic figure? <laughs> Imagine saying that. I'm a historic figure, but she does. And she says it in a burst of sincere self-congratulation, marked by her signature bad grammar. Illiterate, but proud. Of course she's proud. Karine Jean-Pierre is now a historic figure, just like Hunter Biden is now an important artist. It makes you feel stupid for going to work. All right, folks. Now I want you to keep in mind something. Posted eight hours ago, 8.1 million views. I thought it was at like 7.9 when we first started watching, but I could be entirely mistaken. But that being said, I'm going to wrap this episode up here, and I shall talk to you guys shortly. America's been drinking beer from a company that doesn't even know which restroom to use. That's why I created Conservative Dads 
ultra right, 100% woke free beer. As conservatives, we're constantly getting hit in the face, left and right, by the woke mind virus. But the last place we want it is in our beer. If you know which bathroom to use, you know what beer you should be drinking. Stop giving money to woke corporations that hate our values. And to the rest of you woke corporations, stay the away from our kids. Buy yours online in 42 states at ultrarightbeer.com. Tastes like freedom.